0: Welcome to Couch Time. I am your host, Susie, a licensed marriage and family therapist, joined by my co-host, Janet, licensed clinical social worker. Thank you for joining our show, where we dive into topics like mental health and relationship wellness, along with sharing our experiences and lessons learned on our road to licensure and building a private practice. You can connect with us at roadtowellness.co and suzyholagian.com, where you can also find show notes for this episode.
1: Excited for today's topic. We're going to be talking about some of the Britney documentaries.
0: Yes. It's been a there's been a lot of buzz.
1: Yeah, so the documentaries that we're referencing, there was a documentary on Netflix and a couple documentaries on Hulu. So if you guys want to know what we're referencing, we're referencing those. Those documentaries I know go a lot into the conservatorship. They go a lot into the time period that led to the conservatorship. So we'll definitely go into that. And we want to also go into just our initial impressions. And we'll talk about some of the mental health related aspects of it, but let's start with the impression. Susie, what was the initial impression for you? Oh gosh. Honestly, I think initially I felt like a deep
0: sadness in like the pit of my stomach. And I think that's because I, I loved Brittany when I was growing up and And Britney was really the only pop star singer that I followed for some reason. I I distinctly remember with my cousin, we would always have a feud of like Britney versus Christina, right? And like, that's kind of, that was kind of my impression. So seeing, I think seeing just the portrayal and, and the things that she's had to go through in the past decade plus, And I I think like the sadness kind of imparted on, I got to reflect on my life from when I remember her being a pop star to, to what, to what's going on in her life now.
1: Yeah. the, The sadness I felt too, because same, like she was so beloved in my world. Like I was a Britney stan, I still am a Britney stan. (laughs) Um, You know, I wanna see her happy and succeed. And I think, you know, the entire general public, whether you're a fan of hers or not, just wants to see, you know, the courts and, world do right by her. Yeah. And frankly, you know, and we'll we'll talk about this, but my professional opinion is that I'm just really amazed that this woman is still alive Mm -hmm. because of the traumas that she has had to endure. Now we'll give a disclaimer. We do not know anything about her mental health. We don't treat her. We don't have access to any of her mental health records. So we are just going based upon what's kind of out there in the media. But the reason why I say this is because she's clearly struggling with some mental health issues. We just don't know what, but if you look at some of the documentaries, I mean, they've talked about how, first of all, she's had no personal space. You know, we looked at the, the images of like the paparazzi, just kind of encroaching her all the time. And that's, clearly very anxiety provoking. The other piece is, you know, with the conservatorship, a a big loss of freedom, you know, in her life as an adult woman, there was a lot of control in her life. Again, we don't know to the extent of it fully, but a loss of freedom and a lot of control. Also too, I mean, she's had people kind of threaten her, you know, like if you don't work we're going to take the kids away. You won't have access to the kids. You know, she's so she's had a lot of that too. So personally, for me, I'm just very happy that she's alive and still here. And I I hope that she's okay. On top of
0: that, to say she's alive, she's here, but she's also able to advocate for herself. You know, yeah. Janet, like you said, of course, we don't know her underlying conditions and what her day-to-day life really looks like interpersonally, but to be able to almost step away from that loss of autonomy and that isolation and those threats and abuse to be able to say, this is what's going on. This is what I need. I need people to hear me.
1: You know, in one of the documentaries, they had little clips about her court testimony, and she she talked about what she was experiencing. Now, I've heard that testimony a couple times in the in the documentary. I mean, she sounded very clear, very coherent. In the court system though, you know, if you heard the the audio raw, there was a lot of information, there was a lot of information coming in so fast. Her speech was so rapid. So Again, we want to look at that because it could just be that she was very anxious about advocating for herself. So her speech was very rapid. It could be that she had some other underlying mental health diagnosis or other condition going on. But you're right. I mean, she has sort of stayed quiet for the past 13, 14 years that she's been under this conservatorship. So it is amazing to see that she really opened up to herself and what her needs are at this time.
0: To speak on amazing, I think one of, and maybe this answers that previous question too, about my initial reaction. I'm a little amazed at how quickly everyone has gotten together and become very vocal about, you know, like the free Britney movement and and advocating and the amount of documentaries that have literally just popped up within the past couple months. I think, I think there's a certain psychology to speak about there too, of, of how, I guess day to day, people really experience the life of a celebrity, right? And and the advocacy and grouping that kind of happens from it. I don't know if it's like post pandemic boredom of everyone having a mutual cause to kind of come to, but that part of it has also been very very shocking to see.
1: And I I agree with that. I have sort of mixed feelings on the Free Britney movement. Um, We can talk about that too, but. I truly think that movement really stemmed from the fact that people are just wanting to know, like, is she okay? you know, and I'm a follower of her Instagram, you know, a lot of people have been sort of sharing their concerns, you know, even commenting on her Instagram, like, is this truly Brittany? Are you in charge of this? Some of the Instagram videos and content is just a little bit bizarre. So I think free Britney movement really came out because I think everyone, especially her fans, but just in general, I think everyone is sort of concerned, like, is she okay? What's going on? She hasn't been, you know, on tour in a while, not to say she has to be, but we just haven't really been seeing as much of her. So I think there's just a general public curiosity of what's going on here.
0: Absolutely. And and maybe fear too, right? We have mental health services, we have court systems that are supposed to be set in place to protect human rights to protect one's freedoms. And I don't think many people go throughout their day to day lives just knowing or understanding when what a conservatorship is. But we have these general ideas of protective factors that are supposed to be in place for people for for yourself, for neighbors, for whoever it might be. And to know that so many years have passed. And obviously, this could be argued that it's a very like, biased take on it. But that certain safety measures have not been effective or have not been implemented in the way that we want or imagine them being.
1: Right. And and so let's talk about it. The system, unfortunately, really failed her. I question the, the system, at least here in California, regarding the conservatorships and, and why this has gone on for so many years. Because... The documentary talked about it. I mean, traditionally conservatorships are established to try to support the well-being of someone that supposedly can't take care of their own well-being, and certainly there were concerns of that back in 2007 for Brittany. It's just it it kind of made me wonder. Like there were a lot of hypocrisies here because she went on tour she had a very successful run. She was so busy. She earned so much money. You know, she was on shows like the X factor and how I met your mother. Like she, she was working. So for me, I too question. like, I don't know her diagnosis, but Why, why was this in place for so many years? Because my thought was the conservatorship or the people in that camp should have supported her in empowering herself so that eventually she wouldn't need this conservatorship anymore. Why did it go on for so long? I don't know. Is she empowered at this point?
0: Well, so does that bring the question of where does the line get crossed from support and enabling?
1: Right. Right,
0: And not not to say that that's kind of where it was headed with Britney, because there do, does seem to have been a lot of control aspects too,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but is there a very fine line of supporting someone through something versus enabling them to stay stuck in a cycle?
1: Yeah. And certainly these documentaries essentially had that message that this conservatorship was not in the well-being of Brittany, that it was sort of this moneymaker for all participants involved. I mean, that's at least what I got out of it. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you. I mean, again, I I can't, I can't be the expert on identifying if she's going to need this long-term or not. But my hope is that this can be an opportunity for her to at least hopefully for the team for this movement to support her in empowering herself to see if whether this conservatorship is needed long-term or not.
0: And to, I think,
1: have more parameters on who gets
0: access, right? And okay. in, in I think the case of Brittany and, and maybe where there are such financial and monetary gains to be had, maybe the best
1: decision would have been a neutral third party. Yeah, and you know, I was shocked by that because both documentaries were very clear that Britney appeared to in the court systems like ask that her father not be the conservator Mm -hmm. of I think both the financial estate but also of the person of her. And I just don't know why that wasn't honored. I mean, I know traditionally like for conservatorships it usually is the family members because family members typically have the best interest and well-being for the conservatee. But if she was so adamant that, you know, I don't want my father, I don't want my father, I truly don't understand why the courts couldn't really hear her out on that or Mm -hmm. really honor that for her to find a more neutral party.
0: Right. That was equally as confusing as some of the aspects that were included under what was decided by the conservator in in the whole process of her conservatorship. So i think and and i think this is where the confusion and the hypocrisy kind of shines a little bit because you know you're you're seemingly introducing someone who isn't able to safely and healthily take care of themselves but then who goes on months and months of tour and mm-hmm. is able to work hard freaking hours and then on the other hand, you know, of course, there are some decisions that would be made such as, you know, safety, drug use, all these things. But then there are aspects that we keep hearing in the recordings and the recounts of people that just don't make sense. So I don't think the answer is ever clear of like, oh, it's all bad or it's all unnecessary.
1: Right. Right.
0: And I imagine that's where a lot of that confusion comes from because 2007, 2008 wasn't a priority time from what the public saw for Britney, right? So I imagine there's a real mixture, but again, to me, that just brings the question of like, if she was so vocal about not wanting a certain conservator, then, then how was that never heard? How is that something that really just got swept under the rug?
1: Yeah. And again, to me, that felt like a kind of a system failure, Mm -hmm. you know, and she she should have known all of her rights. I mean, I also was very confused about why for a long time she couldn't choose which lawyer she wanted to work with. Right. That felt like a system failure to me, too. Like if she was adamant that she didn't want to work with the court appointed lawyer, you know, why, why not allow this woman to choose her own lawyer? If she has enough sound to identify, like, I want somebody else to work with me. Right. Again, I don't understand why the system couldn't honor that.
0: Right. And, and that's, that's exactly kind of where I'm at is you'll allow her to go do a one, two, three hour show. Mm-hmm. When she lets you know that she wants a new lawyer, then then all of a sudden that word means nothing.
1: And that's where putting myself in her shoes, if I were ever in her shoes, the loss of control, the loss of personal agency would absolutely disempower me to my core. And I I wonder if that's, if we're talking about the mental health component of that's why perhaps she just went along with it for 13, 14 years, however long it was, because she was getting messages from everyone, from her team, from mm-hmm. her family, from the court system. Mm-hmm. Nope, you have to do it this way. You have to do it that way. The, that loss of freedom, that loss of personal agency, self-determination that we talk in our sessions about, that would really hurt me to my core. And I think I would probably be in the same position that I, I don't know if I would have anything in me to fight that at that time.
0: I hear you. And then to amplify that with the threats of losing her family, losing her children, losing the limited control she had on on certain things was always a threat looming over her head. Right. And and to me, that just feels very gaslighting.
1: Very manipulative.
0: Very manipulative.
1: And again, when we're talking about the loss of freedom, the loss of personal agency in that testimony that was made public, she talked about how she wasn't allowed to have more children. She was forced to keep an IUD Mm -hmm. in her body. That sounds to me like a systemic failure because I understand she's under this conservatorship. Why is it okay to tell this woman what she can and cannot do with her body if she can and cannot have children? I mean, that sounds like a complete systemic failure to me.
0: I I don't really even think there's a way to... to justify an explanation for that, that would come close to making sense. I think for me, what also felt like a huge systemic failure was the fact that all of her follow-up visits to make sure that things are smooth and running were scheduled. And I understand logistically, for the most part, they probably have to be in order to make things work, but with all the concerns that throughout the years there have been little pockets that she has tried to voice her concerns.
1: Mm-hmm. You
0: would imagine that there would be, like I said earlier, like just more safety measures to get ahead of that. And, and in, in one of the documentaries, you know, they were talking about the findings of a follow-up to, to see how things are going, to see how smoothly the conservatorship was going. Did either of those also feel like a failure for you, Janet?
1: Yeah, because again, you know, I I understand they were doing assessments, you know, they talked about she was getting, I believe, psychiatric treatment, psychological Mm -hmm. assessments, she even talked about that in her personal testimony, how much she hated that, which I get it if you're getting like, five hours of psychological testing, then hour of psychiatry, whatever. That's a lot for one person to manage, you know, mentally that felt like a failure to me because, and again, I don't know her diagnosis, but part of what we do as clinicians is we assess periodically. How is this person's functioning? You know, are they able to take care of themselves? Are they able to meet their basic needs? Are they able to go to work? Are they able to go to school You know, that's part of what we do in our sessions, aside from talking about the issues. Part of our work is helping to empower, support, help our clients reach their goals, right? And so where was that here? Were any of these people working with her, helping to support, empower her, or are we just enabling her to continue in this conservatorship?
0: Absolutely. I'll preface this by saying that in certain circumstances, it's absolutely important to help someone stay at baseline instead of mm-hmm. deteriorating. Mm-hmm. But in my own personal view and approach as a therapist, mm-hmm. my goal is always to help someone grow and improve their situation. Right. And so to not have that be the overarching theme of yeah. helping Brittany become more autonomous, more independent, more in control, and more stabilized. Right. Just, it feels so backwards. And it, it really does feel like a disservice to the whole mental health field, if I'm being honest. And I don't really think the portrayal of
1: how she was treated is is helping. Look, I don't want to, like, this sounds like a, a bashing of conservatorships. I don't like the way this one was handled. However conservatorships are here for a reason perhaps we need to look at look at systemically if conservatorship laws are appropriate let's say at least in california but typically when we're looking at conservatorships they're typically for like dementia cases alzheimer's cases cases where the person's mental and cognitive functioning is absolutely deteriorating right and Somebody does need to step in because the person can no longer make sound appropriate cognitive decisions to take care of themselves and their livelihood. So there's a reason why these things are here, but it's just, it's quite unclear if like, like, does Brittany have dementia? You know, I know one of the documentaries mentioned that that was possibly like a preliminary diagnosis. It's very unusual and rare for someone to be as young as Brittany to be you know, diagnosed or struggling with that. So again, that's why these constant assessments are so important because that may be preliminary, but perhaps that diagnosis doesn't fit anymore and and we need to see what's happening. Right. And I, and again, if that was the case, then you
0: would also expect to be seen throughout her actions or the actions of the conservatorship. So it wouldn't make sense to see her going on a European tour, going on, you know, a Vegas residency to see her out and about doing all these other things that would normally like by definition not be applicable if she was in these states where she wasn't able to cognitively really function for herself.
1: Right. Absolutely. I mean, she could remember choreography. She knew what cities she was in. I mean, that's at least what some of the people in her background, in, in her life, were saying in these documentaries. And it, it again, it just, something about this doesn't add up. And I think that's what a lot of the Free Britney movement, a lot of her fans have been saying for a long time. And I, I wanted to also talk about, This was more so, I believe in the Hulu documentary, they were talking about her privacy a lot and her, like somebody from her, I guess the security team came out. And this one absolutely infuriated me where she couldn't always have access to her phone. When she did have access to her phone, all of her conversations were monitored, her phone calls, her text messages, things like that. She couldn't like step outside without security following her, you know? That felt like like that felt sinister to me, like a true absolute invasion of her personal privacy, her personal conversations.
0: No, it's it's more managing than it is taking care of someone.
1: Right, like again, the question is how was that in support of her well-being? Like was she right. saying she was suicidal and going to harm herself. And that's why we needed to monitor that. Okay. In that situation. All right. Maybe I can get with it. But if that wasn't the case, what was the purpose of monitoring her in that way? Right. So Janet, like you've said,
0: conservatorships obviously are in place for a reason. And it's not something that we can kind of just blindly say, oh, they're all bad. We need to get rid of them. Do you think that this, the I guess the light that is being shined on Brittany's situation will bring into at least discussions of like ethical and legality changes in the way that as, you know, even mental health professionals, we approach conservatorships and approach individuals who may not be, fully able to care for themselves.
1: I hope so. I mean, I hope that the, you know, state senators, you know, can understand that we need to take a look at these laws to identify if, again, it's in the well-being of the person, you know, and to me, to, to many people, to you, I know a lot of things just didn't add up here because it, if it was for the purpose of empowering Brittany in supporting her to eventually hopefully be autonomous to maybe not the same degree where she was before, but to a different degree, that would be a different story. But as mental health practitioners, you know, we are not able to tell someone, right, like whether they can have a baby or not, you know, we support individuals in coming to their own self-determination. And again, I know every case is different, but I I fully feel that she should have a little more rights, you know, towards herself and towards her body. I completely agree with you there.
0: To shift focus really quickly. I hear a lot about, I think, shame and judgments of people after watching the documentary about people in her circle, maybe at least ones that have come out to speak up about Brittany's situation afterwards in saying, well, if things felt wrong or if things felt weird, what kind of causes people not to do anything about it, not to step up? And of course we've, we've talked about threats of like loss of job, loss of security, reputations being damaged. Did any of that stand out for you? And I and I, I think it did for me while I was hearing, you know, I think it was wardrobe and her previous uh, personal assistant speaking. And there were moments where I was like, oh, like if I was in this position and I was witnessing a weird control manipulative moment between Brittany and, and her conservator- conservators, the security, I you know there was a lot of that conversation. It really made me wonder what would I do about it? Right. And I think like everyone wants to say, well, I would speak up and I would step in and I would do something about it, but it's so easy to say that in hindsight or when you're not involved. So I'm wondering if there's also a way that we, and I know, I know we do in mental health and we look at it right. Of, of when it feels safe and not safe to speak up and and say something.
1: Right. Well, here's, here's my thought on this because I, I agree. I think the, the wardrobe stylist who was with her, I believe during like the tour and the Vegas residency Mm -hmm. sounded like she had quite a bit of guilt. Um, but it's like, when I put myself in her position, who would I even report to, you know, because all of the people above in this conservatorship were, I guess, dare I say it, enabling it. You know, and we're saying involved at least. Yeah. For saying like, this is what we have to do. This is fine. They were also gaslighting a lot of the staff because they were all saying, and I remember this with the security person that came out that he would question things a lot. He would say like, why are we doing this? Why are we tapping into her phone? You know, this, this feels weird. He would say that. And they would, the people above would gaslight. They would say, like, well, this is for her well being. This is for Brittany's safety, you know? And it's like, we have to identify that, that they, the gaslighting sways us from what our intuition is telling us that something's not right. Something's wrong here. Right. I'm really glad you said that because it also shows the
0: expansiveness of what was going on. And it wasn't just Brittany. That was really controlled in that aspect, right? And these these like extended situations. And that just if it sits so wrong when you think about it. And and to that end, if if the point was to control Brittany's life in those minute details, then of course it makes sense. You would have to also, to some degree, control the people who see her who have (laughs) communication with her, who are around her Mm -hmm. because it would just come crumbling down like a house of cards if it didn't.
1: Yeah. And, you know, they made a lot of these people sign NDAs, you know, and threaten, like, if you say something, then you're going to have a lawsuit, right? So it's, it's one of those situations where it's like a lose, lose, who do you report it to? And then the powers that be are so strong that, you know, even people in her camp sounds like felt disempowered about it. Absolutely. I think this really
0: brings the question that would be really interesting to have with our followers are, you know, did this bring up a new lens into an aspect of mental health, of conservatorships? What questions are coming up for for all of you? I think as we keep talking about it, we keep going around and and attaching it to mental health. But I think even witnessing this as someone who maybe isn't a mental health clinician, right? There are so many different things that come up. And Janet, I think I speak for both of us to say, we would love to have these conversations with you guys Mm -hmm. and to see what your thoughts are. and, And what came up for you as you were watching these things? What comes up for you as you hear britney's court recordings and and what she says and and how she's portraying how how life really has been for her
1: let's definitely open up the conversation you guys can certainly talk to us on our social medias you're welcome to respond to us you know with with the podcast questions here and what your thoughts were feel free because You know, there could be other documentaries where it's related to something like this as well. You know, I know we talked about some of the other franchises for reality television. There's a conservatorship issue in one of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills spouses. We'd love to hear your commentary just to know what were some of the questions you guys had. But I know for me, the overarching theme for me was where was the empowerment here? That that's for sure what came up for me, because whether Brittany suffers with a mental health issue or not, you know, we don't know, but no matter what mental health issue there is, there are fully functioning, capable people that can live their lives and lead positive lives. You know, maybe their lives are a little bit harder to manage, but still lead lives and are free Despite having their mental health issue, it just takes a lot of work to get there. So for me, that was where I was thinking, like, where was that at? Is is that a part of her life right now? For sure. And I and I surely hope that it becomes a part
0: of it in bigger capacity than it feels like it has been. And for me, you know, I'm very much aware of the fact that this is still an ongoing situation and, and that no concrete results have kind of come from it, at least at the time of us talking about it in this podcast. So I really hope wherever and however Brittany lands outside of this, I really hope that support and continued mental health awareness is really a part of her care and her future going forward.
1: Yes. Are you in a long distance relationship? Is it difficult to find people who just get it? We know for us, it was challenging to feel understood and supported. That's why we created a collection of worksheets and guides for how to navigate long distance. You'll find information like how to communicate with your partner, how to keep things spicy, and how to discuss your values and closing the distance. This is totally for you. Head over to www.susiehalagian.com shop to pick up your own copy and learn the skills to empower your relationship. Thank you for
0: joining us today on Couch Time. You can find show notes for this episode linked in the description, along with all our references and resources mentioned today. If you enjoyed this episode, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss the next one. We will chat again soon. Bye. Bye.